Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across the William & Mary campus. I'm your host, Lindsay Heck. And I'm your co-host, Eric Garrison. And we are very fortunate today to be joined by Dr. Warren Buck, a man of many talents on our campus here, serving as the special advisor to the president for equity in the 21st century, also a faculty member of physics here at William & Mary. Welcome, Warren, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. And one role that I didn't include in that introduction is the service you're providing us here, providing meditation throughout the week in a virtual format to our classes. We're so thankful to have you provide that talent to our community. And it's a specific type of meditation um, style that you practice. Let's talk about that a little bit. What is this concentration meditation? Yeah. uh, Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, I've been practicing a, what's what's called a concentration meditation for a number of years now. And it's really more focused on a single meditative object. Many times we have meditation uh, that varies in different ways, but many times there's many objects in one sit that you might focus on. It's called Vipassana. My style of meditation is Samatha, and it's more of just focusing on this one object uh, per sit. And what it does is it, it helps sharpen, uh, harsh sharpen the mind and gives me a lot more energy. So what are some of these objects that you're focusing on during the practice? How is this done? So the, the most popular one is the breath. You know, it's very simple. We, we go through our lives uh, every day and we don't really think about our breath. You know, in fact, most of the time we don't. And it's the thing that really keeps us alive. And so this meditation practice focuses on breathing, becoming more aware of our breath. That's one meditative object. Another one that I also use is uh, loving kindness, which is also something that is in, this, in the community now, the, the metta, it's the same thing as metta. And there you're focusing on the feeling tone of the loving kindness. And so you can focus on that as the object. So what is that exactly? What is the feeling tone? The tone is the, the good feelings your body has when you wish someone well. It's not just the words that you use, but you can feel it in your body. You know, I wish you well, if you're genuine oh, about oh. it. You can feel that tone. And it's a glow. It's a bit of a glow. As you wish someone well, you're also having a, a sense of not only generosity, but a sense of, of self and mutual compassion. It's a tone which we study, you know, you, in meditation, it's, you, you can focus on that and you can get to feel it in a more intimate way. Anytime you say, you know, I wish you well, that feeling tone is there. You just have to recognize it. And ultimately, what, what benefit does that bring to the practitioner? Well, it's, for me, it's, um, uh, and for many of us who, who do this meditation, it brings a great deal of, it, it builds up more resilience. Uh, it builds up a, we call it cultivating more resilience, cultivating more patience, you know, not as quick of responses in an angry way than might happen otherwise. It cultivates a pause when we're feeling charged and we pause and say, okay, what's that all about? What, what really is that about? What, what do I really want to say? As opposed to saying something you might regret later. 
what type of person can benefit from this practice? I mean, we have the saying where, oh, if you don't have the time to meditate for five minutes, then you should probably be meditating for an hour, right? Is this, <laughs> is this a practice that if you're feeling stressed and trying to, to manage levels of stress that you're working for, or or what if you're not a stressed person? What, what, what type of person is benefiting most from the practice? Well, I would say, first of all, I think everyone can benefit from it and in various degrees. So it's a, it's a long-term practice. It's not something that's instantaneous. Anyone practicing can achieve an awareness of, of their being, uh, of where they are in space and time, and uh, how they're interacting with others. That can come out much cleaner after coming out of a session, just one session. And so, you know, one session, I've seen folks, um, including myself, actually, years ago, you just look different. People come out feeling more centered, more, I like to use the word relaxed, but it's not quite relaxed, but it's, it's calmer. You get that sense right away. But it can go away very quickly if you aren't a long practitioner because you go back to the old ways very quickly. But over one session of sitting, you can see a benefit can feel the benefit um, by doing it. I would say it has to be more than five minutes, but I remember teaching folks to meditate and it was uh, years ago and, and folks couldn't hold their eyelids closed for, you know, 30 seconds. It was really difficult, <laughs> especially if you have trauma uh, and there's trauma in your life, it makes it more difficult to start, start this practice. But once you get into it, even folks with trauma can have a huge benefit from it. Warren, you just mentioned that, you know, the people with trauma may have difficulty starting something like this. We find across the board that people are often hesitant to start a new form of self-care like meditation. Why is that? Well, I think part of it is, is of, of not quite understanding, but also a fear of jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Mm. There's a great deal of, of faith you have to have in order to just jump into this or or move into it in an open way that is an unknown territory. It takes, it takes some, some strength for a person to move into a, you're an unknown territory. And so for those folks who have that resistance, and we all have it in some form or fashion, it's always there. But the more we try it, you know, put our toes into the water first, and then, you know, get our, our knees into the water, and then, you know, finally you get in, and you go, oh, that's not so bad. But it's that first step, which is really the hardest. Mm. So if members of our audience or, or Lindsay or I were interested in trying this or starting this, where would we begin? Well, there's, there's several places to begin. And so let me, let me go back. Let me go back a little bit. There's, there's a couple aspects to this. One of them is understanding what you might experience okay. in meditation. And the other one is actually experiencing it. So there's, uh, in Buddhist training, there's something called Dharma, which is a lesson, it's classes, it's uh, teachings. And there's also meditation, which uh, this form of meditation that I do goes back, you know, 3,000 years. Uh, it's a very old practice. And so you want to go back and forth. And so online, you can find on a podcast called Dharma Seed, Lots and I don't know how many hundreds of teachers are there. You can go there and listen to them and see how you how they sound. And you know, and I, I did that long ago and resonated with a couple of teachers and stayed with them because I could I could understand what they were saying. Others I couldn't understand at all. 
That's one way to start. Another way to start is to, you know, find other people who are meditating and join in. And even if you don't, uh, aren't able to sit still for five minutes, just try it and uh, you'll get some benefit out of it. And you'll say, oh, that's a little benefit. And then that keeps you coming back and you get you know, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So there's a lot of places to start, even in yoga. Yoga is a form of meditation mm, as well, mm. movement meditation. And it has also some concentration involved in it. But they're, they're, the object of your concentration is really your body. So it's a, it's a concentration practice. Now, you mentioned some of the online pieces that people could discover. And you mentioned yoga, which I know we offer here on campus, both virtually but also physically. What are some other things for those who are on campus here in Williamsburg if they were interested in starting something like this? Well, I think, you know, they can come to the Wellness Center and ask around. There's a couple of meditation teachers, including myself. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we can, we can uh, get you really started on that. One suggestion, though, is if you're not will, you know, ready for that, and if you're listening to this, this show, you can take pauses during the day and just recognize that you have breath. Recognize that you're breathing in and you're breathing out. As simple as that. Also, you might also be aware that the, that the breath, the, the temperature difference between the breath mm. in and out is, is different. So you begin to see that. Then you also begin to see that the rhythm in your body is different day to day. So the breathing might be fast today. It might be slow to tomorrow. These are things you can do, you know, without uh, instruction. In fact, that's, that's the only instruction I could give you. And you just simply notice your breath and start to think about that and read. Read about, uh, go online and read about meditation. That also will help. You just made me think of something. I will hear from students sometimes, Warren. You know, I try to meditate, then my mind goes back to the exam I have on Friday. Or, you know, I'm trying to be mindful, and I think about the groceries I need to go purchase. What do we say to, to our audience members whose minds might drift back and forth as they're trying to begin this practice? That's a normal thing to do. It's a very normal activity. And as you get further and further into the practice, you'll be able to keep the concentration on the object of concentration. And, and also just be kind to yourself. Mm, you know? mm. Be very kind to yourself. We all drift. Our, we've, we've been taught to drift because that's how we've learned. We've worked our mind. And this practice is not only about calming that mind and retraining that mind, but also exposing the heart and having them meet together. And that's, that takes a little while, but it's okay to drift back and forth. And I, I tell my students, you know, just very gently, when you find yourself drifting off of your breath, very gently come back to the breath, as opposed to jerking yourself in or out. That's, that's harmful and it doesn't help. But just recognizing it, recognizing that I'm breathing. And now I'm thinking about my homework and I'm thinking about my groceries. And then you say, oh, let me have this time, this 5, 10, 15, 20-minute time to just focus on my breath. Mm. I can get my groceries later. I can do my homework later. You know, the homework issue, you know, is a big thing. I mean, it's, it's always pressing. And, you know, you have to get it done. And you don't know everything. So you have to learn more stuff about it in order to get the homework done. And, you know, it takes a lot of time and, and some people get very nervous because the clock is ticking and you can't even sleep because there's not enough time. If you go to sleep, you won't have enough time to do the homework. 
And so it, it explodes that way. But I can tell you that if you just allow yourself 15 minutes, which is not very long, 15 minutes a day, and start thinking about your breath, putting, putting your, your attention, your mind attention onto the breath, it will, it will give you, it will give you uh, a big benefit. And as you'll notice during the five, six, seven, ten sessions like that, one per day, that the groceries are not as important as just having this time with my, with my breath. And so you kind of train yourself by, by participating in this way. And you allow, you allow your, your, your thinking to float. Don't, don't try to trap it. You, you, but then you recognize, I'm floating. I'm, I'm thinking about all these other things. I'm thinking about homework I didn't do well last week. And then you say to yourself, Let's, let me go back just to my breath, just for these few minutes. It's only a few minutes. And I find that when you do that, you're actually much more alert mm. afterwards. And you're able to do more things than you thought you could in a shorter period of time. And what I love about that is during this time with a respiratory pandemic, we're, we're so worried about breathing, but it's so nice to be able to come back to breathing that whether we're wearing a mask or whether we're by ourselves or not, the breathing piece is just something so important. And I love the way you phrase that too. It's so simple and yet it's so powerful. I've had these moments just focusing on the breath work and arriving at that sense of awareness where each breath is just gently rolling us into the next moment of our existence. And what a powerful thing to be able to recognize that and realize that you have this moment that you can do anything with mm. and just the presence of existing. And, and that's one thing that I really admire about the practice, how empowering it ultimately can be and just connecting you with that awareness of you existing in this world. That's right. That's right. And, and it's that recognition just for that moment, even that's very powerful. Even in the pandemic, I, I remember doing a retreat, a meditation retreat uh, a few years ago in Washington state during a, a huge set of wildfires that was surrounding the retreat center where I was. And the smoke from the fires was so, so strong mm. that you couldn't see the midday sun and the, and the sky had a glow to it. It was very filtered. We had fires in Canada, fires in, in Idaho, uh, fires in Oregon, all around, <laughs> and wearing masks, but still being able to meditate, being able to sit and say to yourself, let me just have these moments of breathing and acknowledging I'm still, I'm still living. And this is a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. And we can fight if we're alive. But we get our strength from just acknowledging that we have this, this life-giving breath that is so rich. It has so many qualities to it. It's not just the breathing in and breathing out. Oh. As you study it more and more and more, you'll find it's very complex. You know, your body moves in different ways. Sometimes you can feel the air moving through your body, through your lungs and into your blood. You know, and as a scientist... I was very doubtful in the beginning. You know, this is like woo-woo and, you know, <laughs> it's not something, you know, that, that has any legitimacy. Uh, but when I got into it and started exploring, I found that it's quite legitimate. So I can say, you know, even as a physicist, it's, um, it's real mm. and it does help. 
I was just thinking about the ancient Greeks and Romans who thought that the gods breathed into us, which is where the word inspiration comes from. And Dr. Buck, Warren Buck, I just want to say thank you for being such a wonderful inspiration this morning uh, for all of us, for our audience, for those across campus. Thank you for all that you do, and thank you for taking the time today to join us. Yes, Warren, thank you for sharing your mind with us and the community today. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so I'm so happy to be able to help and and in any way that I can here. This this campus is a place that I've always come back to since 1968. Oh. It's a lovely place. There's lovely people here, and you know, I'm I'm very happy to to be here with you this morning. Literally and figuratively, you are a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to our guest this morning, Dr. Warren Buck. I would also like to thank our sponsor, United Healthcare, for the support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Brittany Emmons, Colin Cross, Lindsay Heck, Jenny Helmendaller, Ben Heath, Daria Moody, and me, Eric Garrison. 